to you from a psalm and it's the first verse in the next psalm because there were no chapters originally so I want to keep this thought as we get ready to go into our praise and worship time. I want us to remember this. He says praise the Lord all you Gentiles. That's us. I don't think we have a blood Jewish person in here but if we do we certainly welcome you and love you but it says praise the Lord all you Gentiles. Laud him all you people. So that's all of us. For his merciful kindness is great toward us. That is true, isn't it? And the truth of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. You better find yourself squarely in this. Not your grandma's religion or your uncle's religion or your own way of thinking. You better find yourself squarely in and the truth of God as we approach these last days. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. So the challenge is for the Gentile people to get on board and praise the Lord. We don't want any rocks taking our place, amen? We want to give our praise to the Lord ourselves. Nobody can praise God for you. If you don't get in God's house, if you don't participate with us, maybe you're watching, whatever, nobody can praise God for you. You have to do that. So what has he done for you? Has he been real in your life? He's worth all of our praise. You've heard me say this before. The word worship comes from a contraction of two words, worth and ship. We're here this morning, Lord, to ship you worth. Because you're the greatest thing in our lives. Amen. Say it with me. Some trust in chariots and horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. Give him praise this morning. He's worthy. I have a word for you. It's time for my people, saith the Lord, to make my word their priority to put me first in your life. Violence is coming to this land. Turn your back on slumber. Hear what I am speaking to you. Your confidence and security is not in your money. It's not in this nation. And it's not in the things of this world. Make me your priority, says the Lord. Hear my voice today and turn from the world and the things of the world. For violence will fall on this land, and you need to make me your priority, saith the Lord. I have come to give you life and give it more abundantly, but you must make me your priority. Do not seek the world or the things of the world, but seek me first, saith the Lord, and these things that you desire will be added unto you, saith the Lord. How many of you believe the Lord is great and greatly to be praised? We praise you, Lord. You're holy, pure, and righteous. There's none beside thee, O God. We love you. We give you praise because you will guide us and lead us in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake, not for our name's sake. 
We thank you, Lord, and we praise you. Turn around, shake somebody's hand, welcome them to church this morning. Children's church is dismissed. We have two nurseries next door. You may go over if they... It's good to see everybody here today. Got a lot of folks still traveling, but let's... uh, If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Getting ready for the end of time. That's what we need to be doing. I'm going to share some stuff with you. The Lord gave me some detail this week that I'm not ready to share with you about things that are coming to this land that we live in. We've watched our brothers and sisters fight the battle, not only in the spiritual realm, but even in the natural. They have to deal with things like we prayed for this morning in Nigeria. Uh, We've been blessed in that context. We haven't really had to deal with a whole lot of physical warfare or the pushback that comes from those who do not follow Christ. But that day has come to America. We're going to see the violence and things that other people have seen because the whole world is going to come under the influence of the Antichrist. And all these folks that think they're preparing stuff for themselves, they're basically helping the rich folks of our world that have have manipulated and have egos as big as Volkswagen's think they're preparing things for themselves, but they're not. They're just getting them ready for the Antichrist and the plan of God. So I want to show you something here. I'm going to give this overreaching on my board here real quickly. And here, this is God's will for the world. Nothing's going to change it. Nothing can change it. We can't stop it. The timetable's set in place. The question is this. You and I, as stick people... Will God's will be done in you and I? That's the only question. Whether, and I think, I put a big long-haired lady right there. (laughs) I think the only question is, uh, if you had any questions about whether God's will was going to be done, all you have to do is turn your eyes to Israel. Because he's brought all of that to pass just like he said he would. And if God will not keep his promises to Abraham, how can we expect him to keep them to us? But he has kept his promises to Abraham, and he's continuing to keep his promises to Abraham. So what I believe is getting ready to happen to the true church, the body of Christ, those who are really followers of Christ, I think we're getting ready to get toughened up. We're going to have to be toughened up as we travel through these last days. We're going to have to get our eyes off the world and the things of the world, and we're going to have to turn our attention and focus on the Lord. And make sure that he's our number one priority in our lives. That's what God, because our security is not in the things of this world. We've been told that over and over and over by the scripture. And again, this morning confirmed by the spirit of God. That's not where our security is at. Doesn't matter how much money you have. I'm telling you, there's probably a day right around the corner where money's going to be obsolete the way we deal with it. And it's already been obsolete in some places in the world. You can't even use cash and things like that anymore. So the world system, and it looks like, and I know it's frustrating, but it looks like we're losing our power and our ability to do our, run our own lives. But that's all part of the process of this plan where the Antichrist is going to have a foothold over the world and be able to manipulate and control primarily most of the world. And that's part of the plan that God has put in place. And then the Lord also is doing things to bring this all to an expected end. So what can we look for as we come toward these end of time? 
here's some things I want to share with you. Let's go to Matthew 24. Let's pick up with verse 3. These are some things you can look for, and then I'm going to give you some comfort as we live in these last days. In verse 3 it says, Matthew chapter 24, I'm not going to use the whole chapter, just some of the verses, but let's see, let's go through here. He says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when these things will be, and what will be the sign of your coming, and the end of the age. So they knew that this age would come to a close. They knew there would be a resurrection. If you remember when Lazarus was dead and Jesus come through, Martha said, hey, if you'd been here, Lazarus would not have died. And Jesus said, uh, you know, he gave her a son. She said, told her about the resurrection, said, he's going to rise again. And she said, yeah, I understand that. I know about the resurrection in the day. So they had good theology, but Jesus resurrected him that day. But they knew about the resurrection that was coming in the end of time. And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. That's the first thing he said. So we have to be careful with that because we have more avenues to be deceived in the world we live in than anybody ever before. But there's so much media and so many people who are not of God that are using God as a front, as a platform. So we have to be very careful that we're not deceived. We have to make sure that whatever we hear and wherever we get some learning from that it lines up with God's Word. Can you say amen? And he says, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. Now, these are not false Christs. He's going to talk about that later. He's talking about people who come and they say that Jesus is the Christ, but they still have bad doctrine. And we see that. We're going to see that in other places too. But here we're going to see, we're going to talk about people who say that, yeah, Jesus is the Christ. And we've seen that, right? We've seen that through media. People are using Jesus as a front, but their doctrine and theology does not line up with God's Word. He says, they're going to say, I am the Christ, and they will deceive many. So he said, take heed that you're not deceived by someone. And then he said, but the problem really is that many are going to be deceived. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. We are there, where all of these things are going on that I'm reading you, they're already going on. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet, for nation will rise against nation. And that's the word that you've heard me use a lot, ethnos. It's where we get our word ethnic. He's talking about ethnic groups against ethnic group. That is basically happening in most continents of the world. Even here in America, we have struggles and problems with that. So these are Iran. We could go all over different parts of the world and see one ethnic group contending with another ethnic group. And then he says, in kingdom against kingdom. That's things that we understand as nations in our culture, in our language, that Russia, China, America, Japan, uh, whatever. And we can see all that's going on now. There will be famines. That's going on now. Pestilences. That's d uh, diseases and things. Many, plenty of those coming up new. We just have been dealing with COVID. More and more of these pestilences are going to come. Earthquakes in various places. Just had a seven point something over in, was it Japan, just last week. 
All these are the beginning of sorrow. So we've been seeing all this stuff set up, right? Then they will deliver you up to the tribulation and kill you. And will be hate, you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. So he gives all calls through here. And then at times he specifically speaks to the nation of Israel. And then many will be offended and will betray one another. And will hate one another. That's going on in the world. Then, here we go. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. That's going on. And because lawlessness will abound. And that's part of the word violence that we got this morning. The love of many will grow cold. A lot of people's love will get cold in their lives. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and the end will come. Now let me show you something here on my board. There's a lot of things going on here that we need to pay attention to. The rapture takes place. The world gets plunged into the seven years of tribulation. Then the second coming takes place when Jesus comes back. Then we have the thousand year period. All that stuff is part of the day of the Lord. When you hear that phrase in the Old Testament, the day of the Lord, this is the day of the Lord. This is basically when God starts taking over and takes control out of people's hands and starts taking control of the world. We've been given the freedom to use our own will for, for 6,000 years, give or take. But that is going to come to a close as God will begin to usurp his authority over the world. And men will lose their ability to make their own choices and decisions because God is going to come in. That is the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord includes the rapture, the tribulation, the second coming, and the millennial reign. And that there, here's where a lot of church folks get confused between the second coming and the rapture. Paul opened up the rapture to us in Corinthians 15 because he was the apostle to the Gentiles and the rapture is going to be primarily made up of Gentiles and then in these seven years is when Israel is going to return to the Lord and they're going to realize that Jesus was the Messiah and then we will come back with the Lord on his second coming to rule and reign with him and that's when the earth will be given over the power and the representation of the government will fall under Jesus. And then he says, and this gospel will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. So as we come toward the end, the end of sin, the end of God, of man's plan, stepping over, when the millennial happens, God is ruling and reigning the earth. So that end at the end of the tribulation will come, and the gospel will have been preached to all the world by that point. Shoot up uh, Revelation 14 and 6 on the screen. In Revelation 14 and 6, he said, John said, I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. That's happening in the tribulation period. We also have the 144,000 Jews that most theologians believe are going to be evangelizing while they're here. So there's nothing that can keep the rapture from happening right now because whatever is left undone of the preaching of the gospel will take place in that seven years.
So the gospel will get its final run or final round during those seven years of tribulation when those 144,000 Jews are raised up, when the two witnesses are here for the first three and a half years, and then when this angel cuts loose with the gospel to carry to all the tribes and nations and tongues. So that, that work will be finished. So there's nothing that can hinder us from leaving here as the body of Christ. He says, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop go down to take nothing out of his house to not go down. And let him who is in the field uh, not go back to his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant, those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation as not been seen since the beginning of the world until this time nor will ever be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. For the, but for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For here it is. For false Christs and false prophets will arise. So you got three categories here. You got people who say that Jesus is the Christ, but they're still deceivers. You got false prophets being raised up. And then you have false Christs, people who actually say they're the Messiah and they're not. And we've seen that since the 70s. We've seen that pop up every now and then. Somebody who says they're, they're the Messiah. He says, and look at this last line. He says, that the false prophets will rise, show great signs and wonders, if possible, even uh, to deceive even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. So these are things that we're supposed to be watching for. Now, I'm not going to take time to go to Luke 21, which is my favorite passage for the end of time, where Jesus talks about Jerusalem leaving control of the Gentiles and going back under the control of the Jews. That's what this hourglass is on. That's what that is, is pinned on that. It's pinned on that fact right there. So when he said the end is not yet here in Matthew 24, then he told us the sign that would rush us toward the end of time. And that's when Jerusalem left the control of the Gentiles, went back under the control of the Jews in 1967. And that's when the countdown started with that. And that's why we have this hourglass here to remind us that we're in that terminal generation. And then Jesus goes on to say there that pray that you and I be counted worthy to escape all these things about the great tribulation, which is what he's defining there in Luke. So now here's some other things we need to look for. Go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Here's some other things that are going on, would be going on in the last days. Like Jesus gave us there in Matthew 24, the Apostle Paul, through the Holy Spirit, gives us some things here in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 1, he says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Dangerous times. We live in dangerous times, right? We, we live in those dangerous times. Stephen lives in dangerous times. We live in dangerous times. We're getting set up to go through a hard season, but we're also getting set up to see God's supernatural power work in our lives. One of the things that happened to Stephen just a couple of years or three or four years ago was that he and his wife were stopped on an old, uh, a road out in the middle of nowhere, basically, trying to make their way back home. And they were stopped by Muslims and they were drug out of their van and were being beaten with clubs 
And they, Stephen said, all of a sudden, out in the middle of nowhere, some fella stepped out with a uniform and a, and a weapon and run those guys off, got them back into their van safely and sent them on. And he said, there's no need. They never saw the guy again. The Bible says, beware lest you entertain an angel unaware. He said there was no reason that the military would be out in that rural part and especially just one of them all by himself. So he, he knows the Lord showed up supernaturally and had somebody appear there that kept them from being killed that day. That's the kind of stuff we need to start looking for. God wants to show himself strong on our behalf. And he says these are going to be dangerous times. Men will be lovers of themselves. Isn't that right? We love our comforts. We love, our, we love everything about life, right? We love our food. We love it all, right? And we got to be careful that we don't get wrapped up in our life that we're not being faithful to the Lord and even sacrificial to the Lord, right? He said they'll be lovers of money. Didn't get one amen on that. Bolsters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving. Is this not it? Look at this next one. This is a big problem in our culture. Slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's our culture. That's the whole world. It's not just America. These signs are here. And the main sign took place in 1967. Having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into houses and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins and led away by various lusts. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as was Janice and Jamboree's resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith. People who are caught up in the natural side. People are caught up in the things of this life and trying to blend Jesus in with that. And that's where we live. That's where much of the church world is at in our culture today. And, 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 and we keep looking. People want more power of God to do supernatural things and they don't even have enough power to keep the devil out of their house. We want these extravagant things. We want God to go in and mess a funeral up and raise the dead and we don't even have enough power to keep the devil out of our living room. Come on now. Or to get rid of a headache. So we need God's power to work in us. And position us in a place of power and authority. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. Here's some other things we need to look for in the last days. When we're there, we can see that all these things he told us would be happening are going on in these last days. 2 Peter chapter 3 says, uh, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. And that's the one thing that is probably maybe the biggest challenge for the modern church is to keep their minds pure. Because there's so many things that are coming at us to cause us to doubt, to not believe, to be greedy, to be angry, to be lustful. 
All those things that are coming at us, attracting our flesh to cause us to be fearful, right? All these things keep coming at us and to keep our minds from being pure. The Bible says to think on these things, right? Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, whatsoever things are true, but yet we're, if we're not careful, we'll be focused on all the things that are negative. And then he says, he says, I want you to have, he said, I want to stir up your pure mind that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of one of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days. And that's, that's somebody who is a mocker, is a good term. A scoffer is a good term for this Greek word. It's somebody who's childish and someone who deludes, somebody who deludes things, who causes false beliefs. Now, hold your spot there, or just, let's just look on the screen. Let's show Jude verse 3 and 4. Jude verse 3 and 4, let me read these. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Now, are we contending for the faith? We'll contend for a lot of things. We'll contend for our retirement. Watch people during election time. They'll go nuts over health care. And we're not... I, I got bad news for everybody that's obsessed with health care. You ain't getting out of here live, I hate to tell you that. <laughs> you just think it ain't going to happen. But watch people. They'll get angry, vehement about health care and other issues. They'll, they'll contend for it, won't they? They'll have rallies for it. Not just that, but a lot of issues. That's just one issue that all, we can all relate to. They are vehement about it. How many of us are contending for the faith that way? I remember, um, I remember having picked up Stephen at the airport in Chicago. And we got all the way back to here. It was the last time we brought him in. And he came to tell me, as soon as, we, about as soon as we got to my house, he said, we left our passports in the airport. And I said, we got to turn around and go get them. We called. Nobody knew anything about it. So as soon as we got here, we went six hours back to Chicago. By the time we got there in the, that, to the, the airport, it was two, between 2 and 3 in the morning. Best traffic I've ever been in in Chicago. Uh, we got to the airport, we parked, we went in. Of course, I was having to be the liaison. Uh, Stephen speaks good English, but he's still broken a little bit, and he didn't know everything to chase down. And so we spent probably about three hours in that airport. They detained him for about four hours. When I picked him up, I had to wait three or four hours because they, they came over with just a carry-on from Nigeria, and they were staying for many days like 10 or 12 days. And so they, they were screening them for being terrorists. They're thinking, why would you come to America with four people and one carry-on? But the reason we done that, if you'll remember, is we got, bought a bunch of suitcases. We loaded them down with stuff so they could take all that stuff back with them. So that was an interrogation that went on. <clears throat> I, I spent two or three hours. I think I got out of there at 6 or 7 in the morning. But I was, you may remember that commercial of O.J. Simpson running through the airport. That was me. I ran back and forth in that O'Hare airport over 
I mean, I don't know how many times I went up and down that airport. That's probably what gave me heart trouble right there that day. <laughs> I ran up and down, up and down, and I was praying. I would sit down and wait to speak to somebody else. I was trying to talk to janitors. I talked to everybody, and finally, after two or three hours, I got to speak to the right guy. He brought us the passports. It was, it was, and as I got in my car and headed home, I heard the Holy Spirit say, or it might, no, it was actually while I sat down for my last lap, I believe, in the airport, I had, the Holy Spirit said, what if you sought me as diligent as you're seeking for these passports? I felt about that tall. What is it you seek? What is it that you're diligent about? What is it that if somebody come and tried to take it from you, you'd be ready to fight for it? What is it that you're consumed with defending in your life? What is it that you burn for, that you have passion for in your life? Well, I think the day has come to where our number one passion is going to have to be the Lord. We're living in a time that is dangerous. We're living in a time where violence is coming to this land. And we got to make sure that we know in whom we've believed. He goes on to say, he says, The scoffers will come walking according to their own lust. That's happening, saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. I've actually had those words said to me before. That, oh, they've been saying the Lord's coming forever, right? People just blowing it off. For since the fathers fell asleep, they began in of creation for, look at this next line, for this they willfully forget. What do they forget? By the word of God that the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. They willfully forget that God's the creator and the judge. That's what he's saying. And they so willfully forget it, we now teach it in our education system that God is not the creator and he's not the judge. If I have to hear this again on a television or on a news broadcast or on the radio or from anybody in my presence, I want to lay hands on somebody when I hear this. I'm living my own truth. No, you're not. There is no such thing. There's one truth. His name is Yeshua. We call him Jesus. And he is the word made flesh. So his word is the truth. His word is not a fact. It's beyond a fact. It's above a fact. Facts can change, right? The fact is it could be 50 degrees in Kentucky one minute and the next minute it would be below freezing. Those facts change. Truth is inalterable. It is a person. It is the Word made flesh. There's only one truth. You don't have your personal truth. You don't have your own personal Savior in the sense that He's exclusive to, ever, to you. We all have access to Jesus. He's all of our Savior. And we don't get to pick and choose what we want to live. 
We live by his rules. And that's something I told my wife in some of the circles that I'm in, that I'm, I'm not going to say that I'm just a Christian. I'm going to be more poignant than that. That's one of the things I'm going to do this year. I'm going to say, I am a follower of the teachings of Jesus Christ. That's who I am. I want to put them on the spot. Whose teachings do you follow? What do you believe in? It's not, I'm, Christian has become such a loose term, and, and so many people call themselves, we need to define who we really are. We are the people that believe that God sent His only begotten Son, that He hung on a cross that I should have been hanging on, and they stuck Him in a tomb, but He came out of that grave three days later, and He rose to eternal life. I am following His teachings. That's who I am. And then he says, But the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Listen, I don't worry one iota, and I mean this as loud and as strong as I can say it, I don't worry one iota that anybody is getting by with anything. I don't care who they are. I don't care what color their skin is. I don't care what nationality they are. I don't care what, if they're male or female. There ain't nobody getting by with nothing. And I said that bad English, but I meant to say it in bad English. There ain't nobody getting by with nothing. You don't have to worry about whether things are going to settle out or not. They are going to settle out. God is the judge. He knows everything about everything. And unless men and women repent, which we all should rejoice over, even if it's our enemy, we should repent that people find Christ because that's what saved us. We have enemies, but guess what? You were an enemy too at one time. I was an enemy. And God saved me, brought me out of my darkness, so we should rejoice when our enemies get come, come to Christ. But I can tell you this. You don't have to worry about whether things are going to be settled out right or not. They are going to be settled out exactly right because God is the judge of the universe. In fact, when you read Psalm chapter 2, this is one of my favorite places about God. It says the kings of the earth get together as if they're going to overthrow God. And the Bible says, He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. He's going to laugh about it. And I'm going to be right there with him laughing too. Because these, we have no power and no authority over God. And I am settled to live right there. To know that he's in charge. That his plan is going to come to pass exactly like he said it would. Amen. <laughs> then he says, but the day of the Lord will come. Let me back up. He said, Beloved, do not forget this one thing. With the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. That's prophetic, and I really want to get into it, but I don't have time this morning. Concerning, if you've heard Revelation, you've heard me do that. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness. See, we want to know why God don't just go ahead and destroy things, right? And why don't He put a stop to that? And why don't He reconcile that? This is why. Because He's long-suffering. And he's not willing that any should perish, right? So he's reaching out with salvation. And you remember when God said, hey, you cannot drive that group of people out yet? He told his people, he said, you cannot drive those people out yet because their sin has not come to its full end. In other words, it's not time for them to be judged. God's being long-suffering and patient with them. And if, if anybody has a gripe with long-suffering, the long-suffering of God, you need to come to this altar this morning. 
Because everybody under the sound of my voice around this globe that's listening and in this building, we all are beneficiaries of the long-suffering of God. Can we give Him praise for that? Every single one of you know what a scoundrel you are at times. Come on. I'll just ask your spouse. You know. You know sometimes what the, how we rebel and turn on God. But He is long-suffering toward us. That's good news. Not willing that any should perish, but all should come under repentance. That's God's desire. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with great noise. The elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. And here's the, here's the word to us, right? He's been telling us all these things. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Listen, whatever you're striving for, whatever you place value on in this life, I got some bad news for you. It's staying here when you leave. Every bit of it. You got brought nothing into this world. You ain't taking nothing out when you leave. I heard, I saw an old grandpa with a t-shirt on that said, I'm spending my grandchildren's inheritance. You're not taking nothing out of here when you leave because you didn't bring nothing down when you came, right? And, and he says, so what person should you be knowing that everything's going to be destroyed? The only thing that's going to be left are the souls of men and women. And then he says, uh, therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of person are you to be in the holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be dissolved? Are you looking for Jesus? Are you ready for him to come? I'm going to take you to one more place, 1 Thessalonians 4. And I want to read you some comfort. Now that I've explained to you how bad it's going to be, <laughs> let me pull you out of the valley. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, those are the things we're looking for. And I got, I got to tell you, all those things are going on in the world today. And what really turned us in that direction is the fact that, that Jerusalem went back under the hands or the control of the Jews. And now we know that the countdown is on. But in verse 13 of 1 Peter chapter 4, excuse me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. And now, listen to what he says. I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep or have died. And our, to God, they just fall asleep. We understand. Lest you, sorrow, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Now, I've been a part of both funerals, both kinds. I've been in funerals where people don't have any hope. And I've been in funerals where people do have hope. It's a big difference. Big difference. I was, uh, this has been years ago, but I was getting ready to uh, speak for a, a funeral. And I, I was in, in front of the people, and I was getting ready to say over this guy, uh, call it flesh, call it habit, whatever. I was getting ready to say, well, he's in a better place now, and the Holy Spirit stopped me and would not allow me to say that. That was a bad feeling. Why would he not allow me to say that? Because... The people at funerals are not dummies. You know that. A.W. Tozer said men will have to, have to give an account before God for the way they've preached funerals. Now, we don't put anybody in hell. It's not our, but we, we can't put people in heaven that everybody in the community knows lived with the devil or his sister. You realize that people aren't dummies. And here's what happens. If, if we put somebody in heaven that we have no idea that they made it or have any evidence that they went to heaven. Uh, 
We can still give hope because we have the thief on the cross. We understand that. But putting people in heaven with our authority when the whole community knows they run around with Satan and live that way, what people get out of that is the preacher said, they're okay, so if they're okay, I'm okay. So now I don't take the authority to put anybody in hell. I've never done that. It's not my job to do that. I don't live there. But it is my job to only use evidence that I have. And if I don't have any evidence that somebody went to heaven, then I can still preach hope. But I can't stick them in heaven. Neither can I stick them in hell. That's not my job. All right. Now let's go, to, go on. He says, we, got, we don't sorrow with others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. See, that's good news. I'm giving you good news now, right? We got all this stuff's going on. It's true, all this trouble. But here's what we're looking for. He says, For this we say to you, the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep or who have fallen or have died. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. I love God. Because God, He's a realist. He told us how it was going to be. Jesus said, remember, I told you this is what you're going to be looking at. But he said, here's the good news. We have to live as Christ to die as gain. The game's been fixed for us. We can't lose if we're followers of Christ. But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety... Then sudden destruction comes upon them. Now, this is what you can look for. You can look for in the next little season here. You can look for somebody to start rising to the top for the world to look through. And they're going to give a false sense of hope. A false peace is what this is. You can look for somebody to start being friendly to Israel. That's a world leader. Somebody's going to make a covenant with them that's out of deception. Their eyes, they're blinded to that fact. In fact, I read where one rabbi said, he said, we're so desperate for peace in this land that we'd make a covenant with the devil. And that's exactly what they're going to do. He prophesied. And he says, then sudden destruction comes upon them. So the world's going to be in a sense, right, of, oh, we finally got this calmed down. We got everybody. And as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not in the darkness. Go ahead and tell them that. So that this day should overtake you as a thief. So don't be running around as a Christian and act like you don't know what's going on. Jesus left us plenty of information to understand what day we're living in. We don't know the day nor the hour, but we'll know the season. We know that season. We've watched it come to pass. We are in that generation. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep. Let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath. 
What a word. God's going to... When you read about the seven years of tribulation, that's God pouring out His wrath. Well, He didn't appoint us to that. That's why the rapture, I believe, concretely, sincerely, will take place before the seven years of the tribulation. Because God did not appoint us to wrath. We're His children. He didn't appoint us to wrath. We will, what Jesus said in Luke 21, pray that you be counted worthy to escape all these things. If you'll notice what happened, the types in the Old Testament, let me briefly run over these with you. His first choice was Rachel, right? But he married, got Leah first, right? And then he did what? He labored seven more years to get Rachel. God's first choice was the Jews, not that he was going to exclude us, but then he came and his first part of his bride is going to be Gentiles. We're the ones that accepted Jesus. And then he's going to labor seven more years and get Rachel or the Jew to come back home. But the one that I like the most is David. King David, when the Bible says when he started reigning for the first seven years thereabouts, the Bible says everybody that wanted him to be king went to him there. It was in Hebron. David went to Hebron. He didn't go to Jerusalem for the first seven years. He went to Hebron, and the Bible says everybody that wanted him to be king went to him there. That's exactly what the rapture is about. Jesus is the king, and all of us who want him to reign, we're going to go to him in heaven, right? But after seven years, guess what David did? He went to Jerusalem, and he set up his kingdom in Jerusalem, and he exercised his authority over the whole kingdom, whether they liked it or not. And that's exactly what's going to happen. We're going to go and those of us who want him to be king will go to him there. We'll meet him in the air. Then seven years later, we'll return with him uh, to the earth. And guess where we're going? To Jerusalem, right? And we will rule and reign with him. And the Bible says he'll exercise his government over the whole world, over the entire world. And he'll rule with a rod of iron. So that's how this plays out. So we're not appointed to wrath. But to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. To be, present, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, Paul said. So we cannot lose. Tell your neighbor, say that you can't lose. And he, he says, Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you're also doing. I can't tell you that everything's going to go rosy for all of us. Life happens, and we know that we're living in the last days. We saw what's going to be happening in the last days, and we're already seeing that. But we can be comforted to know that God has a plan for all of us who've put our trust and confidence in Him. Shoot Revelation 12 and 11 on the screen. I'll close with this. And they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony. And here's the last line sometimes people leave out. And they did not love their lives to the death. I believe God's going to take his body through a little season here to toughen us up. We're going to need it. You and I should have decided yesterday we weren't going to quit. Yesterday. That should have already been settled. We don't wait to see how things are going to unfold or whether God's going to do for us what we would like for him to do. We signed up no matter what comes our way. We're going to stick it out. Let's stand to our feet. I want you to continue to pray for Stephen and his situation.
I want you to understand that some people face great hardships. I know we all have issues we deal with, but some people, it's a life or death for them. So I want us to continue to pray for them, pray for Israel, you know, to do that. The scripture tells us to do that. But I want you to get ready and ask the Lord to toughen us up. Let's make us strong believers and help us to make sure that in 2024, we spend this season making sure God's first in everything in our life. What have you let go? What have you been sporadic at? If you look back at 2023, what were you sporadic at? Maybe it was praying. Maybe it was reading the word. Maybe it was tithing. Whatever. And you just say, you know what? I'm going to get it together this year. I'm going to be more faithful. I want to be a strong believer. I don't want to miss things that God has for me. And I want to do his will. It's about relationship. That's the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. It's about relationship. You've heard me say this before. The old covenant people didn't do things because they feared the consequences. The new covenant is about love. We don't do those things because we love Jesus. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you. And we pray, God, that as we see the time we're living in, that we would not be discouraged. We know there's tough times out there. And we just pray that your Holy Spirit will strengthen us, make us strong. Mold us and make us into strong believers. Make us the soldiers you've called us to be. Help us not to be distracted or caught up into our own stuff. Help us to be led by you, God. Help us to put you first in everything. Forgive us, Lord, where we've put our lives in front of you. Forgive us where things in our lives were more important than your stuff. And help us to get that right this year. Help us to set that right. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, we invite you to come and surrender your life to him. Maybe you're here and you, you've been a prodigal. Whatever your need is, if you're here and you're sick and afflicted, we can pray over you and anoint you with oil. Whatever your need is, will you come as we open this altar up?